This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of What Most People Think, and it is Wednesday the 19th of January I'm recording this one. I normally record them in the mornings, um, but my God, so much is happening. I was watching PMQs and I was just thinking, I can't, I can't record it yet. Look at everything, we've got a defection, do you know what I mean? Keir Starmer actually said something funny, David Davis got up and landed potentially killer blow to the PM, I don't know, we're all getting a bit lost in the moment, so you know, this is what most people think, this is this is what we live for, This is moments like this when the political environment is all blowing up and trying to come to a, a point of view that is, is a reasonable analysis of what's in front of us from yes somebody with a right of center bias but but trying to to get an objective view on what is the the view of the man on the street you know what i mean says the bloke who now lives in cambridgeshire um we are financed by dark money <laughs> the cock brothers what is it that, that lefties always think that people like me are uh are getting their money from no we are we are financed from democratic sources from from our glorious patrons who keep the podcast weekly and ad free uh, and those are big shout out Big shout out, I'm 45, I don't get to say that. Um, a shout for VIP patron, Tim Wright, who edited his pledge upwards, Tim Wright. Um, he's got to be a bit posh in name like Tim Wright, the Wright brothers. Come on, are you? Are you is your brother, come on, the Wright brothers? You've heard it before, but look, at the listeners haven't. Uh, MEBL, who's had problems with her account now, do check this. If you're a listener and you want to take advantage of the Patreon benefits, uh, do check that your account is still active because every once in a while, Patreon just go, yeah, Jeff doesn't want that money, and they boot you out. So just go on and check that. And uh, Andy Milton, who has joined as a VIP Patreon, and we always mention the VIPs at the very top of the show. You get your shout-out. Andy Milton, uh, you might want to check your account as well, mate, because I got two emails saying that you joined. And if, if you, I mean, look, maybe you want to give me two ten quid separately. So you related to old John Milton, old John Johnny Milton, the guy that wrote the the classic epic poem Paradise Lost. I did A levels. I know I might not sound like it. Uh, so the cuss count obviously has made way for the erm curve now. This is the thing that we track at the top of the show. And in the last episode with Tony Law, how great was Tony Law? I mean, if this is the first time you're listening to my podcast. Start with the Tony Law one next and work your way back. He was so funny. I know people that went to see him at the weekend and said his gig was absolutely terrific. Uh, so we're now tracking the erm curve. Because we know we all listen to a lot of podcasts now. and People say erm a lot. Apparently last week I only did one, one erm but three you knows. And now maybe this is the thing. Email in at what most people think UK at gmail.com. Which of these things is the most important or annoying to you? Erms or your nose? I'd imagine, I, I guess, I might do a little poll on this actually with the Patreons. I'd, I guess I'd say, you know, it's just one of those things that annoys people. You know, one that annoys me recently is when people just start a tweet with, nah. You know, like you come up with some idea, you go, well, you know, I think this really could be the end for Boris. They go, nah. And I can take it that they disagree, but... The fact that they think they can do it just one word pisses me off. They're just nah. I mean, it just sounds like they think that they're the coolest kids 
in the 80s standing behind the bike shed smoking. <laughs> nah, what ifs? Um, but yeah, we are tracking that. And uh, Tony, what did he have in the way of... Uh, he had no arms, no arms at all, but three your nose. And uh, as my super patron, David Domain, says, it was nice hearing a comedian like Tony being positive about the UK. There you go, what most people think. Revolutionary ideas that the UK is not a bad place to live, you know? I know a lot of people don't think that, but there's a hell of a lot of fucking evidence that it is. Um, so are there other things that we should track? We all listen to a lot of audio content now. There are, are there other little ticks and turns of phrases that people lean on? We, we could expand this list from the Erm Curve, the You Know Flow, uh, and, and beyond. So we're going to crack into it uh, very shortly, but just a quick thank you and a fuck you, as we always give a bit of uh, gratitude and a bit of contempt before we get into the show. I'd like to thank you, just politics generally, for being the biggest show in town ever since Brexit. It's just been it's just been box office, isn't it? Nothing else competes quite like politics. It just keeps delivering. It keeps serving up the storylines, doesn't it? Season finales. Um, it's, you know, there's the BBC thing that's been happening this week and the debate that's happened about the the, uh, the licence, which we will get to briefly later in the show. I just think the BBC need to hype the fact that they do um, they do PMQs because on days like today they could have made they could have made you know like Sky hype one of those you know Arsenal Man United games which is never as exciting as they make out you know with like classical music you know slow motions black and white images of players doing slide tackles they should do that today on the BBC at twelve o'clock roughly depends on when Boris gets there PMQs Boris the Destroyer Johnson. Against Keir, Vanilla, Starmer. With a <laughs> coming off the bench, David, Double D Davis. You gotta hype it. Whatever content you've got, you gotta sell that shit. PMQs, it should be fucking pay-per-view how exciting it is at the moment. But so uh, we will get to that shortly. The fuck you this week. It's for, I don't know if you saw, but after the uh, dismal Ashes tour that the England cricket team had, uh, the um, there was video footage that emerged of uh, Joe Roots and a couple of other England players sitting with a couple of Aussie players. And the Australian police, because obviously they're, they're now basically like everyone's fucking nanny. It's 6am and they turn up and go, OK, guys, time to break up the party. Time to go to bed. Sorry, who the fuck are you? You're police. Time to go to bed. You just Who gave you that law? But anyway, if you, if you set aside the, the kind of nannying nature of the Australian state at the moment, um, then Joe Root, you know, who looks a bit... I would say this, right? They say, oh, they're still up at 6am. That's a bit rough. But... The match didn't finish till 10 p.m. And if you finish work late, look, I'm a gigging comedian. Sometimes I finish gigs at 11. I'm just saying, if I was still up at 6 a.m., that wouldn't be uh, unusual, certainly once upon a time. But people were saying, well, why the hell was Joe Root having a good time? Damn him. You know, after this shitty tour, uh, he should just be... He should just be crying face down into a pillow in the Crown Plaza or whatever surprisingly mediocre uh, hotel the England team were in. Um, and I thought, do you know what? This guy has, has carried the England cricket team, a half-assed, poor cricket Eng England cricket team for over a year. During this tour, he's been repeatedly hitting the plums by Pat Cummins bowling at nearly ninety miles an hour. You know, he's fucking, he's getting on that flight back home with bollocks like space hoppers. And yeah, at the end of the tour, he's had a little beer and it's and it's gone on a bit long and it's with the opposition. But so what? All right. I'm and to be honest, the, the, the winter that Joe Root has had, I'm surprised he wasn't doing meth. <laughs> if he'd have been sitting there with a crack pipe and a belt around his arm, I would have gone, you know what? Fair enough, Joe. It's been a really... <laughs> 
It's a really tricky year. And why the hell was Graham Thorpe, the batting coach, filming it and apparently live streaming it? Jeez, I, I mean, like, it's one thing that the England cricket team don't seem to be able to sort of, like, score more than 28 runs. You know what I mean? Like, if someone gets to 28 at the moment, you know, we'll throw a ticker tape parade. But the fact that this, this guy then is basically dobbing everyone in. If you watch the footage, he goes round the group going, uh, here's Joe Root. Here's Nathan. Like, oh, yeah, why don't you just fucking name names? Why, why don't you say what they've had to drink, Graham? Why don't you even rat them out for having the odd cheeky cheeky salmon? There's Joe Root there. He was smoking earlier. That's probably bad as well. And uh, I've seen his internet history. <laughs> Doc. Okay, enough of Graham Forbes' accidental treachery. Let's get on with all the big political news from the last few days. Let's start with PMQs, man. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, we'll get we'll get to the last week, but let's start uh, with the most recent thing. I mean, bef- just before uh, PMQs, we had this news of the... De- it was already shaping up to be a classic. And then we get this defection of this guy, what was his name? Adam Wakefield or something. Uh, he A very Tory uh, Redwall uh, MP you know, that won his seat in Bury South. And as recently as July, was saying that um, the tour, you know, Labour just didn't understand working people. You know, they'd lost, the t- they'd lost touch. And uh, suddenly he's like, no, actually, <laughs> actually, Boris. I mean, the thing was, he says it wasn't just about Boris's uh, terrible leadership. It was about the party in general. Just everything, everything. This guy's pivoted on a fucking six, sixpence. And he just bowls across. I mean, defections are savage, aren't they? He just bowls across. In, in, and you have to say, this was fairly well choreographed, wasn't it? Oh, what? The PMQs where the Prime Minister is already in trouble. He gets a he gets a, a defection from one of the most symbolic regions that he's trying to hold. And then the guy goes and sits behind Starmer. And, um, you know, one thing I don't understand. I mean, this guy as well, he... And he must have thought, he must have thought, I want to be on the front pages tomorrow. <laughs> he must have thought that, right? Yeah, because um, he, he he wants a bit of publicity. You wouldn't have, have uh, stage managed it this way if you didn't, if you weren't, you know, wanting to be in the public eye. And uh, then David Davis comes in at the end. He must have been fucking gutted. All the Labour MPs were delighted when David Davis said what he did about Boris, which we will come to. But this guy was thinking, all right, well, I was going to get up at six a.m. and go and look at the front page of the tabloids, but maybe not so much. And why doesn't it? Why doesn't it trigger a by-election? Um, I asked that question on Twitter and. Uh, a lot of people are going because you know we vote for the individual. Yeah, I know, I know that we vote for the name of the person, but what what is it? What's that next to the name? Oh, it's the political party. I mean, just being realistic about the British public, how many of them are voting? Because you know, I just think, I just think my MP's done a lot of great constituency surgeries. You know, he, I mean, he got that zebra crossing in by the sand, the uh, the splash park. <laughs> There are some people, I'm not, I'm not disputing that there are some people that are aware. I would argue that most would vote on party uh, political issues. That would be the primary thing, wouldn't it? It would be the, who's the prime minister, who's the party, and also somewhere in there, who's that absolute melt that uh, I see about twice a year standing up asking a puff piece question <laughs> to the uh, PM. Actually, the last few PMQs, a lot of people have questioned, like, why are these Tory MPs standing up and saying nice things to the prime minister? I'm like, do you... What do you think they're all going to do? I mean, if you presume that they do want him to stay as Prime Minister, that's kind of the gig. I know that the Tories have been in for a while, but just have a little watch of uh, PMQs during the Blair years and people just lining up just to grease Tony's helmet. (laughs) So PMQs, it started off with a shock. 
and then there was an even bigger shock, arguably, is that Keir Starmer said something genuinely funny. I can't remember what it was. Like a lot of things with Keir Starmer, you know, it goes out of your head. But I remember thinking, that was actually funny. And you know it was funny was the uh, Angela Rayner. You could see her laughing. Now, as well as Starmer has done over the last couple of weeks, Rayner is still a bit stony-faced, but you could just see. You could see Angela. She had a little giggle. And uh, he actually did a couple of ad-libs, Starmer. Although, you know, having worked in writing rooms and stuff, there, there's such a thing as an ad-lib and remembering an ad-lib, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then, so Starmer had his six questions, right? And then uh, a couple of questions later, Ian Blackford... <laughs> Stood up. My God. Ian Blackford, he tried to do a joke. Now, I think any comic would empathise a little bit of Ian Blackford. You know, Starmer's had a good one. This is what it's like at Comedy Geeks. You're watching the first guy. You think, I hope he doesn't bomb, but let's see how well he does. Jesus Christ, oh, they're with him. Oh, they laughed. That was a good joke, right? So he's watching that old Ian Blackford. He's getting a bit nervous. And then Ian Blackford, he stands up and goes, well, you, I would uh, say it to the... And he took so long to get to the gag, didn't he? It's uh, Operation uh, Big Meat, sorry, Big Dog, save, oh, sorry, Operation Save Big Dog, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, I, something about dogs. Anyway, I'm dead meat. I'm saying the joke is, is dead meat. Uh, what an insult for Scotland. <laughs> I mean, I would say to any SMP MPs, if you are um, listening, man, why, why does everything have to be so emotive? Every single time one of your MPs speaks in the commons it's always a tug on the heartstrings and fair enough i know that plays out well at home with the nationalist base but just once in a while could you could you say i was back in my constituency of kirkcaldy north and i spoke to a woman who was a hundred she was older than yoda and <laughs> look i'm not i know that there are these stories of of, of suffering but it, that seems like it's you get some from the labor mps but in fairness to them they don't go 100% at it. But that's all you get from the SNP MPs. And then another one of the MPs stood up, Peter Grant. And uh, he 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 did this thing that they've been increasingly doing in the Commons recently. And I think Starmer started it, uh, where they quote other people calling Boris a hypocrite, a charlatan and a liar. And I'm just saying uh, that my constituents are very, and definitely not me, uh, this is definitely not me on the LNER train down from... Edinburgh, that just, they think that you're a wee bastard. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And then, of course, you get, like, like in Lindsay Hoyle in fairness room, like, I know, no, we're not going to have that. You, I know what you're doing there. Uh, it's just, you can't keep going down this route of going, well, I'm just, uh, I was speaking to my constituents the other week, and they were saying that you were a greasy wee fuck who had shite on his own mother, Ah. Uh, just for a few quid. And then, and then we have the uh, the coup d'état. I don't even know what that means. It's a French thing, right? The, the PS de... Look, David Davis stood up and he sort of said, you know, you've done all right, but he quoted an old quote from, who is it, Leo Amory, Amory to uh, Neville Chamberlain, and he said, for all the good you've done, you sit too long in that chair, in the name of God, go. And everyone's like, whoa. Because it did seem at that point, like, well, Boris is still standing. And and there was a moment, like, fuck, where Boris stood up. And he was, like I say, I think he weathered the storm reasonably well in the circumstances. But he he should have took a standing eight punch because that was like, 
He was like Joe Root getting hit in the bollocks by another Pat Cummins. Because <laughs> he, he, he just went, he was malfunctioning. I would have just gone, okay, breathe. It's like any bollock punch. Breathe through it, breathe into the bollock, and breathe out the other side of the bollock. And then, you know, PMQs ends. I mean, it was, I mean, God, there was more. There was more stuff that happened. The, uh, who is it that mentioned the royal family? Oh, Starmer, wasn't it? Starmer mentioned the Queen. Can I just say, as a, as a not a staunch royalist, but as a royalist who does love the Queen, I love the Queen. She's awesome. How could you not love the Queen? Okay. Uh, if you, look, I'm going to say it now. I don't want to be too reactionary on this podcast, but if you don't love the Queen, I think you should be on a watch list. But, <laughs> but you know, the mawkishness around it now that everyone says, well, the, well, the Queen... While the what's it? Stom said, yeah. While he, while the Queen was getting ready to grieve, is okay. We're really connecting these things now. I think that they shouldn't have had the party, but I don't think they were sort of going fuck the Queen <laughs> at the same time. You know, they weren't. It wasn't the direct insult to her, and also I just think it's a bit rank, just continually bringing in that image of her. Because every time you do it, you think about it from her point of view. Is they're trying to say we're on side with the Queen, but essentially they're sharing a photo of one of the saddest fucking moments in her life. It's like, you know, when Jesus comes back and we go, oh, you know, we remembered you. Uh, you remember that cross you died on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but look, it's, it's, all gone, it's all gone fucking tonto, hasn't it? And um, one of the interesting things over last week, and this is the kind of thing we try and get into on this podcast, is like just some of the weird hypocrisies that happen. And, you know, Dominic Cummings, you know, this happened... Uh, last year, and it's happening again, is that he's the new repository of truth, right? It's just, it's so incredible. The same people that, that shat all over his defence about uh, going up to Durham and Barnard Castle. It, you know, the real defining factor seems to be as to whether or not you believe Cummins is, is Dominic Cummins saying things I find useful? And in which case then, yeah, I've, uh, yeah, Dom, Dom said it. Why would Dom lie? I mean, you, you literally a couple of years ago said he was one of the biggest liars ever. I mean, you, You've mentioned the numbers on the side of a busting as one of the great lies of British public life, and then all of a sudden you're swallowing, you're swallowing Dom's load. No, I was going to say load. That's pretty rank. But um, I, I think the right the thing is the new rule is if you're gonna if you're gonna share the claims of Dominic Cummings, I think you should have to preface it with Dominic Cummings, who whom I have always believed to be a stand-up guy, <laughs> Dominic Cummings, who definitely wasn't lying about the whole bus thing. Dominic Cummins says, and by the way, I think that the whole eyesight thing was absolutely legit. <laughs> you don't get to have, I, I, you know, the truth is, this is where people often say to me, well, you know, that's your guy. Boris is your guy. Cummins is your guy. No, neither of my guys. And you, you can look around and you can never find me saying anything in 100% support of either of them because I have my doubts about both of them. And I have my doubts about the Tories. When did it become the thing that like, if you vote for a party, it's one, a 100% uh, endorsement? But, you know, I do think that Boris's latest defence was so weak. What was it on Tuesday when he said, um, you know, nobody told me that it was a party. You're like, mate, stop talking. No, but no. They're just like, I remember being a teacher, you get a certain kind of teenage boy who's like 15. You could see they just discovered cannabis and they just have these pouty fucking arguments about everything. Nobody, no, oh, just like, I mean, don't, don't, look, man, don't go Kevin and Perry at this point. Well, sorry, Mr. Robinson, I don't know. Just man up, Boris, for fuck's sake. But do you want to know the uh, the boring, unsexy truth is that at this point, we probably should just wait for Sue Gray's inquiry. <laughs> I know that Boris was repeating it time and time again. We go, look, if you defenestrate uh, the, the PM, 
um, which is another one of these words that we we learn through politics that we'd never have learned. Uh, and then the inquiry isn't quite as damning of, of him as seems to be, then, yeah, that could be a bad look. But that's not the way it works with people getting in their letters to the old 1922 committee, is it? Like, no one knows who else has really sent them in, like sealed bids, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, might as well wait for this report. Um, and I think that I think that if he has lied to Parliament, that has to be a straight red, doesn't it? If it's, you know, proven... I think he has lied to Parliament, if you ask Michael. That's got to be a straight red, isn't it? That's going in over the knee. That's straight... You know one of those ones where, like, the player goes down the tunnel, he doesn't even get the round of applause from his own fans? Because sometimes you get that stupid thing where the fans just like, we have to back our geezer, even though we elbowed him in the face. You know that one where no one makes eye contact with him on the bench (laughs) as he flounces off down the tunnel. But here, you know, here's another uh, edgy thing that I will admit to you, though, is when everyone's telling Boris off, I do feel a bit sorry for him. And this is this is how you end up with six kids by so many women, is he's obviously good. Like, everyone's like, there's a part of me, like, the, the sentient part of my brain is going, yeah, out. It's time to go, you know, too much water under the bridge. You're not coming back from this. And then there's another part of me, and I'm slightly ashamed to admit it's going, oh, bless him. Look at him. Oh, everyone, everyone's being mean. Stop being mean to Boris. He didn't mean it. He did, this is this is how he does it, you know. He gets into your your emotions. How does he do that? How you know a lot of blokes do have that skill. A lot of blokes do have that skill because you know he has that hang dog expression. But I think in that Beth Rigby interview, he overdid it. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Maybe he did feel a bit defeated, but it was just genuinely pathetic. Um, so I think that in the long run, he's probably got to go. But I will, you know, let's see what the inquiry says. But we can still have some fun with the idea of, of what will replace him. So I've got a fantasy front bench for the uh, the Tories, right? Going forward, moving whatever language they fucking use. Okay. And you can uh, write in what most people think, uk at gmail.com with yours. So here we go. Prime Minister Sunak. Okay, if you look at the numbers, he's the only one that could win an election. He's popular with the Tory membership. I know a lot of people say Liz Truss is too, but the Tory membership, once... They, they they look at who can win elections, man, because that's part of conservatism is being pragmatic. Unlike Momentum, who uh, I don't know if you know this this uh, defector guy, he Momentum immediately come out and said, "Well, look at his voting record; he should fuck off." You go, well, that's classic Momentum, isn't it? You know, you're literally saying we don't want more MPs. <laughs> um, so Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, he's young, but I think he would have a good team around him. Okay, Chancellor Sajid Javid. Yeah, Sajid, he knows money. He's he's from the city. He's, uh, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people, conservatives have issues with him. Uh, certainly some things that he said about the NHS. But I think he's a safe pair of hands as Chancellor. He's a big dog. Foreign Secretary, Trust, she's only just gone there. Leave her there. You know, we've got things where we do have to show a bit of firmness at the moment with Russia and with the EU. So, you know, the old white wine werewolf. <laughs> no, look, white wine werewolves get things done. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so I'd have her as Foreign Secretary and that would also be a sop to the membership. Home Secretary, Penny Morden. I have to say, she was. I was disappointed to see that that when Boris got you know won the election, people like Penny Morden were on their way out. I don't really see what she did wrong. I think she'd be a good Home Secretary. I think Pretty Patel is a volatile and not a popular or a safe bet and actually just hasn't had a good record. You know, Even if you are you know to the right on immigration, she hasn't really achieved much in that role so it's time for her maybe to uh, sit it out for a couple of years health secretary uh, and this is just a banter move uh, Jeremy Hunt <laughs> he's a good communicator he's a serious politician and it would just be one of those amazing comebacks wouldn't it like Keegan going back to Newcastle but also not like that at all and 
I think um, culture, you got to have Michael Gove in there. You know, great reformer, reforming zeal. Uh, I think it'd just be funny to have Michael Gove as the culture secretary because he could do it. He could do a tour of Britain's nightclubs as well. He could even do like a, a taste test of uh, some of the things available in those nightclubs. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there you go what do you think do you think that that is a fair way forward for the Conservative Party do email in so I think what most people think is that you know I think that a lot of people would have been willing to tolerate Boris's uh, imperfections and his unreliability but I just think that there's certain there's certain non-negotiables in British democracy and one of them is lying in Parliament. And I, th- I think that he has done that. And if it seems it's been proved beyond a fair amount of doubt that he's done that, then that has to be a straight red. Okay, a quick hype here. But before we do the hype, let's say hello to some new patrons. We've got Tom Fleet. Tom Fleet. You sound a bit 70s, Tom Fleet. Just imagine, you know, with a. It's a weird haircut and particularly tight jeans on. Tom Fleet there. You know, he'd be the heartthrob in a rock band like Wizard. <laughs> Tom Brooks. Tom Fleet and Tom Brooks. I mean, Tom Brooks more of a country star, you know, I guess in the Garth Brooks mode. Now, singing for the Republican National Party Congress, it's Tom Brooks. I love America. Something about eagles and freedom. Um, and then we've got, God, we've got another singer-sounding name here. Bobby Mack. Bobby Mack. That is a, well, that could be anything, couldn't it? That could be a rap name. Or it could be like somebody who is in Jimmy Nail's, um, what a session musician with Jimmy Nail. Ain't no doubt it's playing a seat on saxophone, Bobby Mack. Um, <laughs> uh, we got MJC. MJC. Again, what is this? Is this, is this all like, is this all from the singing union? MJC. That just, that's one of those tracks that says featuring. You know, it says brackets featuring MJC. And to make up an entire lineup of names that sound like they should be nominees at the Brit Awards, uh, it's Bikram Rana. Bikram Rana. And, you know, as always is the case with some names, you don't want to sound culturally insensitive by taking the piss, but equally, I'm presuming if you signed up to the, um, if you signed up to the Patreon, that's, you know, that you, it's, it's understood. If this went to the European Court of Human Rights, that's what they'd find, is that people understood this was part of the deal. Bikram Yurana, I mean, I know Bikram Yoga. Is Bikram Rana like another form of exercise? Is it more my sort of thing? It's like Bikram Yoga, but without the heat or the yoga. Um, so yeah, welcome all patrons. And like I say, there is the Patreon-only online gig on the 28th of January with the brilliant Dominic Frisbee and Francis Foster. I've already posted about that to the Patreon community. If you want to get involved, just, just join. Sign up. If you're a VIP, you get guaranteed front row access. Uh, middle tier will get some front row access, but there were, and, and everybody will be able to, to view the gig uh, at the very least. And the tour is starting in less than a month now. The first few dates are pretty much sold out. Uh, I'm going to call Cardiff. What are you saying, Cardiff? On the... What day is it? I'm going to Cardiff. I bet it's a Sunday, isn't it? It'll be one of those days, I'll be on the fucking M4. Just think of your old mate, Jeff. Lee Delamere Services. They used to have a barber at Lee Delamere Services. Was that the sound of a guy who was just logging in to remember when the dates were? Um, So that's Sunday the 6th of February at the Glee Club uh, in Cardiff. It's a great club uh, down there in Cardiff. In Cardiff, B.E. 
And uh, we've got, what have we got? We've got 150 people there. That's not bad for a Sunday night, but the room holds a fair amount more, and it'd be a good to see as many of you there uh, as possible. And then on Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday, the 10th of February, we're in Sheffield. We're at Sheffield at Tip Lead Mill. All right. All right, lad, you're going to be going to fucking Lead Mill. Good luck. All right, in Sheffield. What, twat? Right wing twat like you. Good luck. Um, and we've got, what have we got? Well over 100 there, but again, a similar size room to the Glee Club in Cardiff. Friday, the 11th of February, at the Grange Theatre in Northwich, which is definitely not Norwich. So for, <laughs> for the first however many weeks of all this, I spent a while just thinking it was the same thing. It's not. Uh, Northwich on Friday, the 11th of February. Uh, here's one uh, coming up in the 9th of March in Wellingborough, the Castle Theatre. Uh, who lives in the Wellingborough or Northampton or Milton Keynes area that didn't get to the gigs in the first leg? It's a good venue, that. And again, this one uh, in the 7th of April at the Corn Exchange in Melrose. And ev- even the uh, the information I get sent on email from Live Nation, it says Cornrows, uh, uh, Corn Exchange, Melrose, City, UK, unknown. <laughs> well, I'm in Aberdeen the following night on the 8th of April, so I'm kind of hoping... That that is in Scotland. So yeah, email in if you know where the fuck Melrose is. But I am going to be there. I'm going to be there and it'd be good to see you there too. All right, let's get back and have a quick chat about all the furore over the the freezing of the BBC licence fee. All right, so you would have seen before PMQs became the biggest game in town, there was a lot of uh, debate about the fact that Nadine Doris... um, announced that the BBC licence fee would be froze for two years, then rise in line with inflation, and then be something that you just kind of, I don't know, that they take out of your inheritance. I, I don't I don't know what happens to it beyond there, or, or something altogether different happens. And I had a few people asking me what I think. And I think with social media, one thing I've learned is there's, no, there's nothing you could say about the BBC if you do a bit of work on it where one side won't absolutely slaughter you. So if you say, oh, stick up for the BBC, I think it's a good thing. Of course you do, mate. Of course you do. Well, you're licking those BBC boots, mate. Yeah, get yourself another latte. And if you say that, if you say that, you know, maybe the the, the financing or the funding model needs looking at. Oh, you fucking cultural vandal! Uh, first up, I would say I wish I was on it as much as people think. But yeah, I get I get the odd bit. I get quite a lot on radio, the odd bit on television. Here, here's my two penneth. I think that the the easy play on this would be to to change the funding model where you can't have people in prison for non-payment of TV licence. It just seems a bit fucking brutal, doesn't it? I mean, I know I know people say, well, not many people do go to prison. So there are people in prison right now for non-payment of TV licences. And I don't, I don't know I don't know what kind of prisons that you go to for that. You know, I, I, I think that... I would imagine... You'd hope that they were fairly liberal, open-minded prisons, but it would be a bit weird, wouldn't it, if you're in there with a, a drug drugs trafficker yeah, what are you in for, mate? Uh, yeah, I moved um, uh, seven tons of cocaine from uh, South America across to Europe. What are you in for? Right, you know the show Bargain Hunt. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that I think you should change the model to an opt-out mode, right? So essentially, everyone that's currently paying the direct debits and that all carries on, but you have to opt out. You have to actively opt out. You're allowed to opt out if you've got a television. You no longer have to have a license, but you have to go through the process, make the form slightly annoying to fill out. So people have to opt out. and But then also uh, allow the BBC to increase by what they think they can get away with charging. Because then it'll be interesting to see the, the correlation between opt-out numbers and that money. I think overall it would probably come out either par or doing a bit better. 
But I will say this, right? If you look at who's most in favour of the BBC and tell me that it doesn't have like a bias towards the centre-left, okay? When, whenever these things come out, who, who are the people tweeting about it? Adil Ray, Gary Lineker, the absolute behemoths of centre-left politics. I haven't checked. Probably Brian Cox, I'd imagine. The BBC is just the most amazing star in the galaxy. I mean, it's always, it's always the same people. There was uh, this historian guy, Dan Snow, I think he's son of Peter Snow or grandson, uh, you know, and uh, Peter, 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 I've never seen so many white people, Snow. So I think Dan Snow seems to have inherited his politics to a point. And he made a point that he'd once spoken to a survivor of the concentration camps because, uh, you know, you know, it's low with the left. They've got to go, right, what's the most fucking emotive thing I can throw at this? And he said that you, during the Second World War, in the concentration camps, they were all listening to the BBC. I mean, that's a slight surprise, but uh, yeah, they were all listening to fucking... Hancock's half hour. I know it was from a different era. I'm a comedian sometimes. Um, and he said that, that that voice, the voice of the BBC, that was the voice that Hitler feared. <laughs> I mean, I could understand it if it was a shipping forecast. It's fucking terrifying, isn't it? Swirl at 0.2, big Z, coming in from the West. But I think that if your argument goes right back to the Second World War and Hitler, I think that I'm not sure that really helps. But... You know, we're at a point in time with streaming services. This isn't like before. This isn't even like 10 years ago. And, and people are comparing it for value. I still think it is good value. I mean, I just thought, you know, what, what, think about it yourself. Which BBC services do I use and are they worth 159 quid a year? So I think, all right, Radio 1 a bit, Radio 2 sometimes, Radio 5 quite a lot, Radio 4 sometimes, BBC One Extra, no. No, um, <laughs> but I think that's quite a lot from the, the radio bit. Uh, BBC television, BBC news, yes. Uh, BBC dramas, yeah. Some, they haven't got enough series for me, BBC dramas. <laughs> I like a fucking good 24-episode season, me. You know what I mean? I think I, li- I like something that can get me through a lockdown. Um, but they are high quality. One thing that the BBC do do very well is those big documentaries. Do you know what I mean? Like the one on the Royals recently. And, uh, you know, the Blair years. I mean, you're going to struggle to get the input off those people. So I don't know what most people think about this. I guess that, you know, the BBC is some good stuff. It probably is decent value. There's probably a limit to what it could rise to and remain to be good value. But also that, you know, there's no doubt that the funding cuts will affect content as well. But the way that the media reports it is it's literally like somebody has, has taken the BBC off air. Do you know what I mean? Like there's government people just taking out transmitters and fucking, you know, studio lights and putting them into uh, putting them into a van and, and selling them to, to the Yanks, right? So I, I think that the BBC does need to change in line with a very different televisual um, kind of... Well, why am I speaking like a fucking board member here? I don't know. I just think that things have changed a lot and I don't think it's weird that the BBC should find have to find... Uh, a new place within all of that. And one thing I, I will say is that I sort of saw quite a few like hard left people going, well, there it is. There it is. There's no point trying to please the right because this is what they'll do anyway. And there's no point in having diversity of opinion because it's basically uh, you're kind of like fattening up the pig. Um, yeah, that doesn't make sense. 
but I think that the BBC should should have diversity of opinion because it should have diversity of opinion. Basically, what what their argument is, they don't want to see anyone on the station that disagrees with them, and they thought, well, this is a useful point to make that point. And and also, if you're being honest, why am I saying they should have diversity of opinion? Maybe because I like getting booked for TV shows. So the truth is, we've all got our own angles, but let's not be fucking dramatic and make out like the BBC is anywhere close to, to, to not existing. And I think that it should back itself and have an opt-out basis where they can increase the license fee, but people don't legally have to fucking pay it. Okay, is that enough to get me cancelled from the BBC? <laughs> oh, Jeff, you know those meetings we're having about the sitcom? Yeah, we're going to have to put those back a few months, Jeff. Sorry. Uh, sorry, got a couple of letters this week. So this is from uh, Emmy, who's a, a VIP, and she says, a VIP Patreon. And Emmy says... Uh, Jeff, a personal professional one from me. I work in a very large public sector organisation which of late has been introducing increasingly woke ideas into its HR and EDI policies. I don't even know what EDI is. That's dangerously close to EDL, isn't it? I mean, that could be like a printing error where a little bit of ink goes the wrong way. Sorry, what are we trying to bring into corporate? Um, encouraging, and so they're encouraging pronouns in the bio, in emails and at staff meetings, encouraging self-identifying women uh, into, uh, brackets, she says men, because, you know, she evidently holds the view that it's impossible to change your, your sex, into its women's network, including the menopause support one which makes zero sense as they can't have menopause. Yeah, that's fair. And increasing pressure to attend unconscious bias and resisting whiteness trainings. Resisting whiteness. <laughs> I like the idea of resisting my own whiteness. What does that mean? You know, you know like that feeling when, when someone tells you, asks you if the haircut was good and you go, hey, yeah, it's fine. Is that whiteness, is it? Burying your feelings? I don't know. Uh, I am a classical lefty and absolutely believe in inclusion and equality, but this stuff is really not something I view as conducive to a harmonious workplace. It doesn't promote actual equality and is not generally supported by most staff when you talk privately to them. Well, here's the problem, Emmy. Who's willing to fucking stand up for anything? I mean, this is what I've been saying as re- you know, repeatedly on this podcast, is that so much change happens because of ageing white men in uh, in board positions that don't want to be the next out of the door. And, you know, when they sort of say, yeah, I thought we'd do the uh, the company golf day this year. And uh, they go, no, actually, you know, somebody they've recently promoted uh, to try and seem, you know, uh, right on says, no, no, I didn't think we'd do the golf day. I think that's a bit patriarchal. Instead, we are going to do another unconscious bias day. And he's like, okay, yeah, no, that's a better idea. We should... Could we combine that with golf? No, no, we're not going to combine that with golf. Everybody, listen. Listen to Freya here, because uh, she, she's right. She's right. The golf thing is disgustingly outmoded. I'm disgusted at myself. In fact, in fact, I'd like to take this opportunity to apologise for playing golf and thinking about golf. I do realise that golf was very non, non-golf inclusive. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, I know how you like to describe household dynamics between men and women. Here's one observation. I wondered whether you have noticed it too. It is the Hollywood housework. Interesting concept. Where one partner does all the highly visible stuff when friends or family are over. A huge flourish with lunch or dinner. You get the picture. Uh, Whereas the other partner is nearly up at 7am with the kids and nobody watching. Well, Steve, 
I would say, I'm not going to say your surname here because of what I'm about to say next. I think that sounds very close to home. I mean, if I'd have let that letter run on, it would have been an also walks the dogs and doesn't get any appreciation for that. Do you think I want to be out there at that time in the morning with it pissing down and wind blowing rain horizontally in my fucking face? No, I don't. But oh no, no one cares about the dogs. Everyone wanted to get the cockapoo, but now it feels like I'm going into that process of self-counselling. Yeah, Hollywood housework. There's one we could email in about. What most people think, UK at gmail.com. I love a superficial hoover. Steve I love a superficial tidy up I will go absolutely fucking mental on the house just putting blankets out just getting stuff off the floor and surfaces I don't put it away properly as many women will have already correctly presumed I just open covers bang stuffing cover what's that on the front end bang that's in the bin bang you know a year later we find out that we don't have many valuable trinkets or <laughs> or things to, that we need you know to complete our mortgage but the point was I tidied up when I had to Okay, that is the end of uh, this week's solo show. I hope you listened to it. The solo shows, there are a few people to drop out, but I hope that you, you saw the bigness of the news and, and, and had a listen to this one. As always, I will uh, read out reviews on iTunes, five stars only, thank you. And this is, uh, this is from Eddie, Ed Ray, who says, one of the best podcasts from a lefty. Uh, this is a real good one. Jeff is ever interesting, eminently reasonable, often insightful and always interesting. As a Labour man, sometimes I worry I agree too much. But every few episodes, something comes up with that I totally disagree with. And that's really important. Great guest too. Ultimately, though, Jeff just tells good job funny jokes. Well, I mean, Jesus. Amen to that, brother. That's We, we need to get back to the funny, don't we? I mean, I've been part of this, but I do think the comedy did get... A bit fucking preachy at one point. Um, This is from Acastra7. Such a good podcast. Always has interesting stuff to talk about and great guests who are interesting. Not to mention the main man, Jeff, speaks sense. Keep it up, man. Just right at the end there, it said, keep it up, man. It made me think he must be a Geordie old son there. Keep it up, man. Well, listen, we will be back next week with with a guest episode. But uh, for now, look, a lot could happen in the next... Seven years, so don't take your eyes off the politics. It's going to be fucking mint. Oh.